You know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. You know, the thing is, we're here now, so just be here now. That's all I gotta say. Welcome to Unhinged, episode 51, recorded November 11th, 2017. We have a special guest today, uh, someone you guys might remember from uh, a show in the past. Nurit Adler, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure. How are things going with you? Uh, Things are going well. uh, Life is just carrying on and, uh, I don't know, a lot of ups and downs to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. eh? But always fun, always fun. I know ups and downs. Um, (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Nurit is a... uh, and Reed is a psychotherapist here in Toronto and has a lot of interesting specialties, specialities. Um, but I, I thought that was something that you could um, sort of start us off with uh, because they are very unique and very specialized and uh, I think very important. Okay. Uh, well, um, I worked at a uh, social service agency, a Jewish family and child, for almost 25 years. So I really had the opportunity to learn a lot in a number of very varied areas. So I have lots of kind of uh, niches, but I do a lot of generalized work as well. But I work, for example, in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered community. I've been doing a lot of work with same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. As well, I've uh, done a lot of work in addictions, and uh, right now I'm doing lots of work with uh, people suffering with anxiety, with lots of different types of anxiety, and um, really I think I'm, I'm uh, my big specialty is getting across the board, getting people to understand themselves and become self-aware mm-hmm. and understand how their triggers work with and against them in their life. That would, if I had to give you sort of an overall of what it is that I'm doing, that's probably what I'm doing with lots of little specialties in lots of different niche areas. But overall I'm doing, I'm trying to teach people to be able to cope better with the kind of um, situations that are coming up for people. I think anxiety and being over-informed and being overwhelmed is something that I see regularly in my office. Well, over the years, that's become more and more pervasive with uh, technology and the fast-paced world. Yeah. Yes, very, very much so. Um, mostly, it's people feeling overwhelmed and then getting stuck and not knowing how to sort of manage the input and work through it and remain functional, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Now, now remind us, remind us again... Um, how you and Doug know each other. And I mean, Doug hasn't been a patient of yours or anything, has he? No, no, he was not. Doug was a patient at uh, the branch that I worked at. And so I knew him through other people that were working with him. So I had sort of a peripheral contact with him, but I, I knew him and I would often speak to him in the halls and mm-hmm. we sort of developed a friendship over that period. Yes. No, I never, he was never my client directly. 
And you wanted to um, discuss uh, some of your uh, the specialties that you deal with, and one of them is uh, ADD uh, specifically. No, actually, I, I wanted to make it clear: it's not really ADD is not a specialty of mine. Oh, okay. What I was saying is, I wanted to discuss it because I, it's been, I've been coming across it, and also in my personal life, I came across it across mm-hmm. the the. Uh, I want to I wanna say it in the, in the most genuine way, coming across the debilitating effects of undiagnosed or diagnosed but not really understood ADD. Mm-hmm. Because when it affects the executive functioning of a person, it affects things like their reasoning, their impulse control, uh, their ability to organize and put things sequentially in, in an ordered fashion. It also uh, affects their emotional regulation so they can be dysregulated very easily. And when they're dysregulated, they can uh, it can do bigger things than someone who doesn't have ADD in terms of, of uh, how they feel and what, how, what they're acting out like. So if you don't really understand what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a kid who has ADD or an adult who has ADD, you're going to be reacting to the behaviors and not understanding where they're coming from. Right. And so what I'm seeing is sort of the longer term effects of uh, not treating the disorder and just allowing these kids who turn into adults to feel inept and useless and lazy and, and, uh, unproductive. And, and what is the, what is the best way to, to treat this? I mean, is it, is it therapy that's required? No, no, not really. See, here's the thing. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because there isn't really any clear answer. Mm -hmm. So the, there are many treatments for ADD, uh, including medication, including, um, uh, really rigorous testing and then um, brain stimulation that can actually help um, work different parts of the brain to compensate. There are behavioral things, there's therapy, there's anxiety stuff, but it has to be diagnosed first and it has to be recognized as ADD. Right. And more often than not, it's it's it gets uh, not even misdiagnosed, it just gets mislabeled as character flaws hmm. so yeah and it's, it's you'll have a, it's uh, right yeah it begins as as really as adhd you know with the hyperactivity as as a child but when it gets undiagnosed and they have to make certain accommodations themselves and have to sort of uh compensate um, when you have adult ADD, meaning it just never was treated, it's a much more serious problem yeah. than childhood ADD. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like your mental difference between having diabetes one or diabetes two. You know, yes. I mean, it's, yes. it's you know, I can compare Very that, much. but it's it because as as an adult, what happens is the the consequences get bigger. Right. Right. So when it's not they didn't hand in their homework. It's they didn't pay the rent. That's right. Right? 
And if they didn't pay the rent or they didn't pay their phone bill and now their phone is disconnected and then they have to jump through 14 hoops to get that connected or they have to go and they have to figure out how to pay the rent, everything becomes a crisis and then is escalated by the fact that now they're upset. Mm -hmm. Now they feel like they're horrible. So one of the things that I found actually very, very, very useful is a four minute video by a gentleman named Russell Barkley. Okay. who talks about ADD as time blindness. Yeah. And he really uh, is able to explain that it's not a disability of not knowing. It's a disability of not being able to transfer the knowledge to the doing part of the brain. It's a disability mm-hmm. of doing. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And it's fascinating because the when you when you think about it, it's probably running rampant. Like there's probably tons of people who have it, who have never been diagnosed, who've just had these sort of like, they couldn't manage money. They couldn't show up to things on time, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, and they're just always sort of like feeling bad about themselves. I know I'm sorry. I do. It's not about being a bad person. It's about being a person with a disability. Exactly. That has gone completely unnoticed. Yeah. It's really, I guess it's really a neurodevelopmental psychiatric disorder. So it's, you know, it's, it's also been classified as disruptive behavior disorder and oppositional defiant disorder and even anti, anti person or antisocial personality disorder. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that, that they look for and that are screened for like anxiety, depression, uh, and those other disorders. Now you were, you were saying Doug that, um, ADD is is in the spectrum, the autism spectrum. Yeah, it's in ASD. It's ADD, Asperger's autism, uh, similar sort of um, uh, psychiatric, you know, similarities. And um, now, of course, there's biomarker research, and uh, you know, uh, certain you know neurotransmitters that are not properly. Um, introduced like norepinephrine, especially and uh, phenylalanine, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, mine was not. I mean, it was diagnosed but not treated properly, right? And you know, and with my neurological depression and then the anxiety that goes along with it, it was really the perfect storm for me. So, Nareet yeah. relate to that. Yeah. How, how old were you when you were diagnosed? You know, I couldn't even tell you, but it was um, it was just not known known about really when I was growing up. Yeah. So, uh, but there's very you know clear signs of it, um, and Reed can probably give you you know firsthand example from that side of things. But um, it's about six to seven percent of of people aged eighteen and under are diagnosed with it. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem, exactly what Doug said earlier, but adult ADD, which is is really almost a euphemism for untreated ADD, right? right. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it, it's just, it. I don't know, you never hear about it. You really just don't hear about it. You hear about ADD with kids, oh, they got diagnosed in school, no, they yep. have to do this, yep. they have to accommodate. But it's not... It's not something that a lot of people are aware of, that it's out there and people are actually suffering because of it. 
and are having mm-hmm. a hard time managing their lives because of it and need to make accommodations. And once they know they have it, they can make those accommodations. It's, quite frankly, I even know a woman who helps ADD kids use their technology better to accommodate for their ADD. Oh, interesting. So th- so if they there's treatment and it's done properly and they get diagnosed properly and treated properly, I, there's probably a lot more out there today than there was 20, 30 years ago. Well, there is a lot more there out is. there today. There is yeah, no question. Yeah, it started about. off, uh, I remember, with um, the book Driven to Distraction, which was uh, Edward Halloway. Yes. Remember? Yes. So he was, was the real pioneer big... in the field. So that's what we had first, but it's, we've come a long way since. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we have. But you know what it is? It's not, ADD is not as, I don't know how else to put it, like those sexy topics, right? right. It's not a, a sexy disability right now. But it is very pervasive. And the truth of the matter is that it's very pervasive. And in fact, my my guess is that, as Doug had said, it going undiagnosed, it's going to get re-diagnosed as something else. It might get diagnosed as major depression. It might get di- diagnosed as generalized anxiety disorder because the the prominent feature is going to come out as anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Which, which I've seen. How can you um, try to figure out if you actually have ADD? If, um, like, what are the signs? What are the, the symptoms? Well, it's, you know what? I would say it, it's not so much signs and symptoms. It's are there patterns mm. that keep recurring in your life? Doug, would you would you agree? That's a better oh, yeah. way to sort of think about it. It's it's something that's not going to go away. I mean, it's it's right. you know you, you can look at it also as a, a learning disability, but at the same time, there's a lot of gifts just like others in the spectrum have hyperfocus. Mm. Um, yes. It's, it's, yes. You know when I decided to start reading about. Uh, neuroscience, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, on one hand, I find it hard to finish a comic book. But on the other hand, I could read a neuroscience textbook, you know, from start to finish, because it's just a one of the one of the few main interests that you have, you can be quite gifted at. Well, another yeah. perfect example for you, Doug, is your hyper focused uh, towards guitar. Um, yeah. Just the fact that you were able to get so good at one thing like that, when you haven't even read a full book from start to finish, like a fiction book, uh, it's, it's amazing, you know? Yeah. It's like, you, I dream of genie, you know, I just bing. And you yeah. know, so, you know, <laughs> doing it as if it was you just, just that easy. yourself there. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't, you know, I don't look it in the outfit, but, um, but it's, uh, it's, um, it, it really, there are a lot of gifts, you know, but things like you said, Ed, like things, to look for are, are uh, some of the things that Nareed said, you know, being easily distracted and mm-hmm. missing details, forgetting things. But, but I would, I would actually take it further. If you're an adult and you think you may have adult ADD, I would say look for things like, have you had your phone service cut off more than once because you've forgotten to pay the bill? Mm-hmm. Are you paying a lot of, of, extra service charges because you're not looking after things that you should be doing monthly. Right. Have you had difficulties paying your rent? Yeah, um, you have to learn, you learn things in a much different way than other people. And uh, yeah. one, one other very clear one is a really good example is out of sight, out of mind. Bingo. So if I, you know, I have 
I've talked about this on the show. I have just like everyone has cupboards in their kitchen. And if I put a can of soup in the cupboard and close it, I no longer have that can of soup. Right. I have to take the cupboards off their hinges and put them and store them. And everything is out and facing front and almost becomes obsessive. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be able to clearly see it or it's gone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's quite a, you know, those, that's one example of where it could be very challenging. Yeah. And, and imagine if you're undiagnosed, if you're undiagnosed and you don't know you have ADD, but you've had all these things happen where you've paid this late and you do that late and you do this late and people are saying to you, you're so lazy and you're so this <laughs> and you're so that. Imagine what that's going to do to your self-esteem over time. Oh, yeah. Right? You're just going to feel like, what, what, what can you do? That's right. And then to whatever amount of time you've had developing that self-image of, I can't do these things, only to then at some point hopefully be able to switch gears and say, there is something actually going on. And if I treat it, then maybe I can. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I just think it's uh, I, I think I've just seen a lot of examples maybe recently of um, just seeing the kind of damage it does to, to their self-worth. To the yeah. And I'm look, I'm thinking in terms of young adults who are trying to make it out there in the world and it's it's not really working for them. They're they're falling to the same trap over and over again. This really wreaks havoc on how they feel about themselves. And if they understand that it's actually a really legitimate thing that is fixable. Yeah. That's not always fixable right away, but some people, for example, respond very, very well to medication. Some not so much. Yeah, I remember um, uh, I remember hearing about uh, ADD for kids and they would throw Ritalin at them. They would just yeah. give them the, you know, the medications, but it seems to me like that wasn't the fix. That was, you know, uh, maybe a yeah, small percentage no. of kids responded to it, but but that seemed to be the drug of choice back then. Yes, and I mean and it is still used I I'm probably quite widely because mm -hmm. it's a short acting, uh, very effective drug in terms of being able to hyper like to focus very quickly, very immediately. Yes. Um, but there are a lot of non-medicinal things that can be done now. So there's That's a right. lot of new studies and new stuff through neuroplasticity that can be done to help kids with these kinds of issues. There is, um, music therapy, and it's uh, it's different types of frequencies stimulating different parts of the brain. They can now do cumulative EEGs to find out specifically what parts of the brain are affected. So there's a lot more available now. Yeah, yeah. In genetics and biomarkers as well, you know, it, it can be seen. Really, that's so amazing. Yeah, and the, and you know the difference with you know knowing if the hyperactivity piece is there is I think more where where the anxiety the feeling of anxiety comes out where they're fidgety and squirmy in their seats and they mm -hmm. nonstop mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. and you know again which is very autistically you know it's very simple. but I see uh, but see I see the anxiety once it gets into their young adult years I see it it becomes cyclical so it's things like um, a kid will miss a class. 
and then get really anxious that they miss the class. But they'll be so anxious they won't attend the second class. Mm-hmm. And then their anxiety is heightened because now they've missed two classes. Now they're embarrassed. So they're not just afraid to go to the class. Now you add a whole bunch of other layers to it. Yeah. And if you fast forward that three months, they haven't attended class in three months. They haven't left their rooms. They're not eating properly. They're only managing their lives peripherally by ordering in and somehow yeah. coasting. So it spirals. Basically, it causes a spiral totally. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you have to learn and, in, a, in a different way. So there's sometimes where they're very much ahead of the game uh, just because they're natural smarts, but sometimes they're very much behind because they can't follow. I remember going to certain classes in college and it was just like the professor was talking Chinese. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I don't speak Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, you know, it's and that if if you have that, then it's going to be very defeating. And and you know, I, I grew up with it, and with with the depression and all. It just, I mean, I had no self worth, zero. Well, it sounds um, it sounds to me like uh, ADD, especially if it's undiagnosed, can actually lead to other things like depression and yes, yeah, yes. that's it, right? Yes, yeah, chicken before that's the exactly. egg, you know. But in most cases, you're right. Yeah, you know, the the less self-worth you have uh, as days go by, you start thinking even, you know, you start spiraling and then ultimately you get depressed. And yeah, so it's not not a good thing not to be diagnosed. No, because yeah, it, it yeah. definitely leads to those anxiety disorders. It can lead to OCD type disorders mm-hmm. and a lot of substance abuse and self-medicating yes. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. even things like restless leg syndrome and sleep disorders and and um, people with ADD have an increased risk of persistent bedwetting, which was, was one of the first signs for me because I didn't stop till I was about 14. Really? Interesting. How that helped your ego when you went to summer camp and had rubber sheets. Oh. Yeah, I oh. got the shit beat out of me my whole life, you know, and that didn't help. No. So, you know, it, it definitely it has to be a screening, a routine screening for these, you know, types of things. Um, you know, it's, and you know, it's interesting. I think they should have more than one. Cause I think they can be screened as kids, but mm-hmm. I think there should be a second screening. Like when they, if they're going into college or university. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Think about I mean, How logical would that be? If they missed it in your elementary years, at least they're going to diagnose you before you take on four years or two years of that kind of pressure. Exactly. There's an ingenious idea. <laughs> well, for ADD especially, because yeah. you know, even if it's if it's treated and diagnosed, there's you know uh, over a fifty percent chance that it's going to continue throughout your adult life. So, yeah. if I had it had been addressed and I had been taught things differently, you know, uh, parents will lose patients immediately unless they're aware right. of this disease, and mine weren't. So it was just. Just like, you know, it's just as, as bad as dealing with an autistic child because you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, you can't necessarily blame the parents either. They just, they didn't know. So no, then, but it, yeah. as Doug said, it's like a perfect storm. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It really is. Yeah. So it, yeah. it didn't, it wasn't a component that I needed to add into the recipe. So Doug, what, no. what do you, what do you do now 
that you know, you know, you've, you've been diagnosed with ADD and you, you still have those symptoms. Um, what, what do you do to try to help yourself? Those little things, you know, taking off the, the shelves and, you know, um, you know, telling people, listen, if I interrupt you when we're talking, um, it's not because I don't care. It's a habit. We, we yeah. you know, thoughts can be fleeting. So you're right. afraid that if you don't get it out now, you're, you're going to forget about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a real big sign is, uh, and as you go up on the spectrum, that becomes more pervasive that they just, you know, will you're talking over each other. I mean, you get, yeah. you know, two people on the spectrum talking together and it's just like, <laughs> it could be chaos. Right. So, um, you know, yet they're very, I find we are very, um, not only anxiety riddled, but, um, very intelligent, very emotional, mm -hmm. very empathetic mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and so, very. and again, there, there are a lot of positive things to it, Yeah. but, but as it, you know, the, you know, the proper thing is to be diagnosed properly as a child, um, or as Nareed said, as you, at least before you get through, you know, into college, but a lot, a lot of the problem is you need it before college because you need to get into college. Yeah, yeah exactly. And oh yeah. You no, can, you need to somehow be able to get through high school. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the anxiety takes over. So no matter how much you study for your, I don't know what they had here in Canada, Nareed, you know, but the SAT test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, we didn't have was, the SATs. I mean, I took an SAT. I, I did a GRE, but that's similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, what, and no matter how educated you were or whatever, but once you they put that test in front of you and you have a certain time, I mean, you just freeze. Yeah. And, you know, the anxiety I scored takes off the over. charts with IQ, but yet my, my I was lucky to get into Syracuse. My my SAT scores were not, it was probably, yeah. ele, you know, 1,100 if I was lucky. And I think, I don't yeah. remember what it goes to, Ed. Uh, but 1,600, I think it is. I'm sure yours is a lot higher. <laughs> but uh. it's um, <laughs> it's it's a completely daunting thing to give somebody in like this is what you here's your test to for your future. The, oh shit! I just shit my pants and run out the door. It's interesting. Speaking of the SATs, uh, I noticed that so many parents today, you know, put their kids through SAT training before the tests come up and all that. I never did any of that. I always liked the SATs because it was a test that I didn't have to study for. It was, <laughs> I yeah. kind of took it on as a, oh, it's kind of like a trivia test. <laughs> um, yeah, you either know it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I kind of, I was, I enjoyed, you know, standardized testing. Uh, you know, I didn't do great. I did okay, but, um, but it was. You Ed, know. you don't have ADD. No, <laughs> but just exactly what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Because when I got it, like I said, I shit my pants and ran out of the room. Yeah. If you just, I like taking tests, well, you're <laughs> definitely not ADD. I, I didn't have, like taking regular I tests. Just know you, I don't have to check your pulse. You have, do not have it. No. <laughs> uh, exactly. But see, the, but it's it's the one thing that it's not the one thing i'm sure there are other things but it's a it's a thing that somehow subtly gets unnoticed or undiscussed yeah at a certain point and i just think it's something that should be rediscussed yeah people should yeah. have this on their radar 
Well, well you know, the you know. DSM criteria and definitions, you know, have changed so many times over the years on this. Yeah. And it continues but to here's change. The piece. It does it it if they suspect it, they need to look it up and see if there's a place they can go to check it out. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If nothing yeah. else. Go, hmm, I may have this. Let me call a place that starts with ADD help, mm. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. ADD center, ADD counseling, ADD something, and go and check it out and see, is this what's going on? Yeah. You know? Well, it's like, yeah, and, like you said, it's about awareness. Two, like, definite subtypes of ADD, you know, whether you're having the, mm-hmm. the inattention and you have the, you know, impulse control, and but there's a lot of different types Mm-hmm. You know, where you have the non-hyperactive, where it's kind of, you know, you're forgetful, you're daydreaming and disorganized and distracted. And then mm-hmm. there's the predominantly hyperactive type that's fidgety and restless and hyper, and you, you have difficulty waiting or staying seated. Or Were you, which type were you, or were yeah, you a combination? I didn't have the hyperactivity. I okay. was, you know, and that could have, that could be, you know, the, the neurological depression that exists that mm-hmm. I just, you know, I didn't have any energy. I would love to. Yeah. Um, and people with, or at least children with the, the H in there. Um, yeah. They, they prescribed the stimulant medication. They were finding that it actually had the opposite effect of, of a stimulant when their brain was ADHD. So it actually calmed them down and let them hyper-focus. Interesting. Um, so they came out with later with Adderall and um, a couple of other types that were that are longer lasting and that are um, slow release. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was much more smooth than the Ritalin, which can be, you know, uh, it sort of starts and stops. And it's, yeah. um, you got a kind of a hangover when it stops, you know, where this yeah. is like much more smooth. So um, the, the, the Adderall that you've taken in the past that was for the ADD. Yeah. That's all focusing. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does have to do with the GABA receptors in the brain. And, but there's a lot of different um, sort of uh, ways that it affects the brain, but it mm-hmm. does have a lot to do with the neurotransmitters and similar ones that, you know, when you have, um, you know, a, a depressive disorder or an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot more we can talk about on it, but it's 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 definitely a challenge for the parent, and they they have parent management training and you know yeah. um, behavior modded and all that kind of stuff for good support. But yeah, and that's that's great once you know that that's what you have. Um, yeah, but the you know you you just you have to get diagnosed, and that's uh, it's part of awareness, and I think. And thank you, Nareet, for bringing it up uh, on our show so that we can help bring some awareness to it. My pleasure. I, I, um, I, I just have a, a real sense that it's something that the people need to be more aware of because I think it gets undetected and falls through the cracks a lot more regularly than we realize. Yeah, and considering Absolutely. that it can lead to so many more serious things. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important yeah. to catch it early. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. And to catch it early in terms of, of treatment, but in terms of overall mindset. Mm-hmm. You know? 
of, of uh, not assassinating someone's character for their, their right. deficits. Right. Yeah. So well, many and, times you hear that where a family will be like, oh, he's just like that. Or friends are like, oh no, he's, he's just, you know, disorganized. He's like that. He's lazy or whatever. Well, no, it's, it's, it's something he's, he's, he can't control. It's mm -hmm. not his fault. It's mm -hmm. not his, you know, his personality is not like that. It's something that's making him that way. Well, it's well, another one of those things yes. that are, that are invisible and it's, although, you know, some of the signs are visible, but it's, you know, yeah. it's almost looks like, you know, you're, you have to know what to look for because, mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to just say, oh, he's, he's weird about that. Why can't you do yeah. that? Well, people will judge this. you for it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it just, it's another self-esteem crusher. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to be, you know, intently aware of that. You see the differences between their child and, and other kids that come over or that they hang out with. You know, you mm -hmm. can definitely see the difference and, and just that's the best way to do it is to eyeball it and really sort of pay attention to yeah. how you just they have to conduct know, themselves. Just have to know what to look for. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to ask you, Nareet, um, you know, this whole situation going on in Canada with the this broken healthcare system we have. And I'm not going to solve any problems. You know, you were a social worker, and you had to to battle trying to help the your, your um, clients uh, make it. Uh, you know, and in my case, having major surgery and then having to um, live people live on. You know, because I know that you help people who are on fixed incomes, quote unquote. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and try to work with them on a sliding scale, and that's you know uh, something you know, that's very much needed here. Um, but if I may, if I can have a little role play with you, so I'm going to okay. be, I'm going to be me who had this major surgery and now living on ODSP and you're ODSP. Okay. Uh, you ready? Yes. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> see, see I, I have an answer for you. Okay. I am pretending to help you only enough that I feel better about myself, but you're not actually going to feel better at all. That's wow. what I'm doing. <laughs> you're a really, really wonderful person. I always knew you. <laughs> I, I hate to put her in that position because she is the sweetest, greatest person in the world. But um, it, it's, um, you know, you, you, I didn't choose this. And then I end up having major surgery and having to now live in Toronto under $16,000 a year. Uh, like I'm just trying to see it. Have you, do you know more than I do on what are they thinking? Cause it's not even a bad system. It's, it's a morally reprehensible system. It's a, it's disgusting. I mean, you can't have, you know, I can't get the, um, the proper diet and nutrition that I need that the doctors are saying you must have. And I said, but I can't. Yeah. And you know, I'm running at the end of the month without food and this, like, how are they justifying, rationalizing this ridiculous healthcare system and why is it still going on? And you seriously want me to answer that? <laughs> no. Because I really people... can't. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> no, I just want to see if uh, you might have a little grasp on, on 
you know, why things are not changing in that respect. No pressure. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I really, I don't know. I don't know. All I can tell you is, um, it has to, I think it has to kind of be a cross the board change in terms of how people see people with disabilities. Yes. Because, my, all I can give you, I can't tell you how ODSP works and what the reasoning is. All I can tell you is that the few experiences I had as a social worker calling to advocate for my clients with ODSP were not very good in the sense that I often ended up yelling at someone and threatening to call their supervisor. Hmm. Because I found that. Get anywhere. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. And it doesn't even get anywhere. And they have so many different. There, there's a lot of people too that milk the system too, which ruins it for the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but that's part of the issue is why they put in the the stopgap measures all the time is because they had people milking the system, or they had people they thought were milking the system, so they kept. So what they do is they'll they'll change dietary uh, supplements, right? Or they'll they'll okay. change the special diet in amounts. They'll change mm -hmm. different things. They'll claw back is what they do. Mm -hmm. That's how ODSP yeah. really gets, takes the money away is they claw back. They say, well, we used to give X amount of money for special diet. Now we only give that much money for special diet. Yeah. Right? I mean, there are all these, these, but, these groups and advocates who've fought and fought for years to get it increased. And they finally just had this increase this past year. And, you know, after all that work and all those letters and all those meetings, and it it came basically to an additional twenty. Depending, it was sort of uh, depending on your situation, but it was about twenty dollars more a month. Mm -hmm. So as I joke with that, it like you know, my whole lifestyle changed. I, you know, I hired a <laughs> butler and I got another vehicle, and um, you know, I got a bidet. Well, I mean. The bottom line where can is, the money come from to improve this and where should it be coming from yeah other than the one percent i mean it's all ab it, it's about money and that's that's yeah. kind of the issue no one wants to give away their money governments don't yeah. want to give away their money uh you know people get taxed uh and that tax is supposed to be used for the greater good uh but not all governments do that or they put it you know for different things that don't matter as much or, you know, so it's tough to say in some ways I look at Canada as having a better healthcare system than we do here in the U S because at least you've got some, well, I wouldn't healthcare. be alive if I was in the States. So I know that. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but yeah. it's like, okay, now I, at least we have a healthcare system. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, but I, I went one, through the gamut. I worked I was a taxpayer. I was working as hard as I could, putting the mask on, sucking yeah. in the, this the horrible depression, getting home and just releasing it and crying all night and then dreading the next day and all that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it got so bad I had to have going for a 12-hour brain surgery and paid for, perfect, done. And yeah. then the recovery period, which you would think is the most important period, is just I'm just drowning. Oh yeah. Well, at that point you're done. Like they paid for the surgery. You had the surgery. All right. We're done with you. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah. Good Have luck a nice to you. life. Yeah. 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 Yes. Actually it's interesting. I, I mean, complete segue. I hope it, it, it's a segue that's manageable, but 
I just read a book called uh, My Stroke of Insight. Mm-hmm. It's about a woman who, uh, she was a neuroscientist who had a left hemisphere stroke. And the book is is fascinating. It describes her stroke and how she experienced all her deficits and then her recovery up until uh, when she recovered eight years after the stroke, when she was fully recovered. But the interesting piece of it that, that uh, struck me when you said the recovery part, what she recommended for stroke recovery was so different than what they actually do for stroke recovery. Like my mother has had two strokes and she went through a rehabilitation and the stroke recovery they did with her is very different than the stroke recovery she described in the book. Hmm. So it's fascinating that if they bothered asking people who actually go through things to devise programs for people who go through things, that it might go better. Like if they actually ask somebody who's been through surgery and needs to the, to recover what they need to recover well, yes, they would have a much better system than if some guy in a suit is trying to figure out what some guy after surgery needs. Right. Did right. that make right. sense? Did that segue make sense? Yeah, no, it no, did. It does. And, and the funny thing is. I'll give you another example of adult EDD. You, just the way you started that uh, that story was that you'll never hear somebody with adult ADD say, oh, this book I just read. <laughs> because, yeah. okay. again, no matter how, how what level of intelligence I have, which I know is high, um, I've never made it from cover to cover on any book. Right. And that's not uncommon. Yeah. It's incredibly common. Exactly. And, I, and I actually was, yeah. it was math and science that was my troubles. I was English all the way and, and artsy fartsy and stuff. And that's also very typical. Hmm. Having to learn, you know, the sciences and, and math, I mean, forget it. I mean, not that I'll ever use a protractor again, but well, I mean, I, I had no idea what was going on. It's interesting because I was, my subjects were math and science. That's what I, I did well at, at least in the beginning. But then eventually math got hard for me <laughs> and I kind of gave it up. Um, but That uh, sounds like a normal brain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed science. That was probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's why I became an engineer at one point. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you won't find a lot of – well – you know, you will find a lot of engineers, uh, ADD, you know, unless it's a... Unless they hyper-focus on one aspect of it or something. Yeah, the science of mm-hmm. frantic. I they could. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. quite fascinating. And there, there, there are a lot of non-stimulant medications that they've come out with, too, that, that are effective. But it, it kind of helps sort of create those type of neurotransmitters that get interrupted. Um, but it's still a, a really a work in progress. Yeah. Well, all of this yeah. is, you know, there's, it's all theoretical, I guess, right? Like everyone has different theories when it comes to mental illness and what everything yeah. means. Yeah. Yeah. There, there really are. There, there, you know, it's just like what we've talked about all these shows is a lot of it. They find, uh, infl- you know, some of the, are, are diehard, uh, um, focus on inflammation. Mm-hmm. It's all from inflammation of the brain, from gut to the brain. And yeah. uh, so anti-inflammatory type medications and that curcumin that I that I mentioned. Yep. I think I talked to you about that, Nareed, the curcumin, the curcumin, mm-hmm. uh, turmeric yeah, extract. Turmeric. And that's a natural, mm-hmm. nat- natural anti-inflammatory. 
which is good for anyone on, especially ones that are on mood stabilizers or thyroid medications or all kinds of different things. Yeah. And unfortunately um, it's probably too expensive for someone on disability to buy that often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. And they're, they're, it's a naturally produced chemical, just like vitamin D. I always talk about that because it's yeah. not just, you know, two thirds of North America are d deficient in vitamin D. Right. Then you you add in mood stabilizers or other medications, and it's completely depleting of vitamin D. And vitamin D is not only a, a, a vitamin and mineral, but it's a it's a hormone. Mm -hmm. So it's it's essential. Mm -hmm. Nareed, so I know you said your uh, your time was limited today. Uh, we're coming up on the hour, so I want to thank you so much for stopping by again on our show. We love it when you stop by. Um, and you're welcome anytime. I love stopping by and I'm happy to stop by anytime. And if something tweaks me that I would like to talk to you about, then I will give you a call. Yes. Okay. And I'll be in touch with you shortly. And we have Narit's info. We're going to talk about again, that's on our resource page. So you can get in touch with her. If you're in the Toronto area, there are very few psychotherapists, let alone good psychotherapists. And I'll vouch for Nareed that she's one of the best and she will work with uh, people who are on fixed incomes and trying to work with you as best she can, you know, on a sliding type scale. And uh, it, it could be quite essential um, and quite refreshing break from your psychiatrists who have, you know, their Pfizer <laughs> pad in hand. Right. So, so we'll <laughs> give them all that information. Thank you. Thanks again, Nareet, and I'll be in touch this week so we can talk. And um, again, you're always welcome. Okay, thank you, guys. And it's always a pleasure to be on the, on the podcast. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. We want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Twitter at UnhingedPC and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash unhingedpodcast. Also be sure to check out our website if you haven't done so already. It's at unhingedpodcast.com. We'll see you all next week.